0: Okay, so welcome to our half day of practice on Riding Well into 2021, Chariots in the Buddhist Teachings. Um, As I said a little bit uh, earlier before we introduced ourselves, um, today is a little bit uh, lighthearted. We're going to have a little fun with these chariot images and I'm going to be showing you the suttas on the screen where they come from and we'll actually read the words. Um, And I want to show, just on this slide, uh, some Indian chariots to see what they look like. Let's see, there we go, I think I'm on the wrong slide, go back, there. So these are just a couple of whimsical pictures of them, but you can see that these things are fancy. They're not like those little tiny Roman chariots that you might think about. they're actually quite elegant, and um, they're meant to be very beautiful. They have all these kind of beads and jewels and colors and so forth. So they're um, so. This is meant to say something about uh, our practice. You know, we have a, a vehicle that is often spoken of in Buddhism, a yana. Uh, that we're using to get somehow to liberation. Now we don't actually go anywhere, of course, to get there. But nonetheless, there's a sense that something is carrying us, or that we're uh, somehow putting ourselves into a stream or a movement of some kind, and that is meant um, in the that is meant to be this this vehicle. And in the early tradition, there's nothing. External about that, particularly. It's that it's our body, speech, and mind that are our vehicle uh, to get from here to there. And that's perfect because they're always with us, they can't be taken away, and they're very intimate. And learning about them is, in fact, the vehicle to freedom. So um, maybe we could also say that this uh, Indian chariot idea is nice. Um, uh, politically, and that we now have a uh, uh, culturally South Asian vice president, so maybe this is a small honor of that also. Uh, I appreciate that her name is um, Kamala Devi, which means lotus flower goddess. How about that? Um, So I think uh, somebody told me that's what it means, so maybe that will help us also as we go forward. So amid all this lightheartedness, though, these are substantial teachings. We're going to be looking at responsive speech, um, speech that is uh, spontaneous and wholesome, as opposed to pre-planned. We're also going to look at not-self, which is a, um, another chariot teaching. that, And it's one that sometimes um, people need a while to start relating to. So we'll uh, look at one way that we can touch into this, that teaching. And we'll also look at aligning our whole life with the Dharma. There's another chariot teaching about how um, imagining different parts of the chariot as things that support us in our practice life. So um, there will be sitting and walking and so forth, and as well as uh, time for Q&A and some teachings. There's going to be one short um, breakout session so that you can talk with another person here. Um, that will be fairly near the beginning. Uh, so for those of you who are thinking, oh, no, that's not what I came for, it'll just be a small part. And for those of you who are thinking, that's just what I came for, it'll be soon. So I think it'll work either way. Um, yeah, so are there any uh, comments or questions about the format? I guess I would appreciate if you could try to stay for the whole afternoon, but I understand that uh, life intervenes sometimes, um, but I think it'll be a, a more complete experience if we go through. There'll be three different teachings, uh, the ones that I named. And I'll give a little dharma, and I'll give a Dharma talk at the end. Okay, great. Well then, um, let's go ahead and start right away with a short sitting. This is just gonna be oh, 10 minutes or so to help us settle in and also to start aligning with the um, uh, the first theme that we'll be exploring. So go ahead and take a posture that is upright and also relaxed, a normal sitting posture. And if you're comfortable doing so, you can go ahead and close your eyes. Just allow yourself to feel the fact that you're sitting, starting on an afternoon of practice. For the first part, we'll just be focusing on connecting or inviting some ease in the body. So perhaps taking a couple of long, slow, deep breaths. And then on the exhale, just softening more into that posture, feeling the uprightness of the spine. And maybe focusing first on the touch points where you're sitting your seat against the chair or the cushion and your legs or your feet against the floor. So there's a stable grounding where you are. Sensing that what you're sitting on is supportive. You're supported by your chair or cushion and ultimately by the earth. See if you can just let go into that stable support. softening, softening the expression on the face, the muscles around the forehead, the jaw, softening the eyes and the eye sockets. Letting the shoulders naturally Drop a bit, perhaps by imagining the shoulder blades sliding down the back, inviting ease through the heart area. The chest and the upper back. Sometimes I imagine the breath flowing right through the heart or around it. Just making that contact between the breath and the heart. And then softening into the belly area. inviting the belly to relax. Muscles of the low back to ease a little bit in case you have any gripping in that area. all the way down into the hip joints, the legs. And even inviting the hands and the feet to soften. can also uh, soften the attention, the mind. So we bring in mindfulness intending to stay in the present, be aware of our experience. But there's a lot of ways to be aware. So I invite a receptive kind of awareness. Curious, open, willing to see what's here. One way to strengthen receptive mindfulness is to use sounds as the object. So I invite opening to the sounds going on in your environment. The thing about sound is that you can't predict when the next sound is gonna come. You really have no control over what you're going to hear next. And that can be actually quite relaxing. So relaxing for a few minutes into the spontaneity of listening. Okay, so with that little introduction to the receptive quality and the spontaneity of listening just to sounds, we'll look at the first uh, chariot teaching, which um, I'm going to put up on the screen. I'll do this for each one just because some people are more visual and it's easier for them to Able to see it, but I won't. Um, for the most part, be using a lot of, a lot of, uh, AV kind of stuff here or slides. There's the chariots again. So then we go to this one. So this is a little exchange that the Buddha has with a prince, Prince Abaya, and this is a uh, just a section of the sutta. So I'll, I'm just going to read it so we can. Uh, If you don't want to read it, you don't have to. You can just listen. Spontaneous listening. So the prince says, Sir, there are clever aristocrats, Brahmins, householders, or ascetics who come to see you with a question already planned. Do you think beforehand that if they ask you like this, you'll answer like that? Or does the answer just appear to you on the spot? And the Buddha says, Well, then, Prince, I'll ask you this in return, and you can answer as you like. What do you think, Prince? Are you skilled in the various parts of a chariot? I am, sir. And what do you think, Prince? When they come to you and ask, what's the name of this chariot part? Had you thought beforehand that if if they ask you like this, you'll answer like that? Or does the answer appear to you on the spot? And the prince says, sir, I'm well known as a charioteer skilled in the chariot's parts. All the parts are well known to me. The answer just appears to me on the spot. And the Buddha says, in the same way, when clever aristocrats, Brahmins, householders, or ascetics come to see me with a question already planned, the answer just appears to me on the spot. Why is that? Because the realized one has clearly comprehended the principle of the teachings so that the answer just appears to him on the spot. So we have here a way of communicating that is natural in a sense. Um, He's not talking about intellectual knowledge, even though in some ways he points to that in the prints because the prince wasn't really a practitioner. He didn't necess- He wouldn't necessarily have understood um, something that was related to direct or intuitive kind of knowledge um, that you get through spiritual training. But he can understand an analogy to something that he does know really well. And he's a charioteer, so it's not like he has to plan in advance. If somebody says, "Where's the axle?", he has to think about that. So that analogy the Buddha gives is like the way the Buddha understands the Dharma um, and that he doesn't need to think in advance how he's gonna talk about it. Anybody who comes to him with a question, he can in the moment come up with a response. Um, so I don't know that he's, he's not in fact saying that we would always uh, communicate in that way. Although I think Buddhas do always communicate in that way. But he's pointing to a certain kind of ease and naturalness to our experience, where uh, we have a relationship to it, such that when somebody, when something comes in, we have a spontaneous response to it. We can generalize a little bit. You know, when something comes in, uh, we have a response, and that's um, in line with the Dharma if our mind is in a wholesome state, or it could be. Um, More unwholesome but you thought maybe you saw that with the sounds you know you're just sitting there and there's a bird and um maybe you spontaneously know oh that's a crow or that's a blue jay um or you don't think anything about it you know it's just a sound or it triggers a memory something but there's this way in which the the mind-body system does produce a response when we're sitting there receptive and It's something of an aim of the practice that we are in that kind of natural flowing mode. It's a key part of the path, I think, to start tuning into that and to be less reliant on I planned it ahead of time. If somebody asks me this, I'm going to say that. If somebody says this, I'm going to say that. How many times have you done that in meditation? You know, planned a conversation or planned how you're going to handle something or other. Um, the mind does this and so i think the buddha's pointing toward no he's not saying you should never prepare for an important work meeting i know it's a it's a different thing but um he's pointing toward this as an important thing to get familiar with this kind of intuition so our speech and actions can be responsive in this way and i wanted to just offer another teaching uh, that that i think relates to this this is from um samyutta nikaya it's actually the very first uh, first, teaching in that book. Here we're talking to a deva, and a deva says to the Buddha, How, dear sir, did you cross the flood? That's a metaphor for getting across greed, hatred, and delusion, the flood of the defilements or the asavas. And the Buddha says, By not halting, friend, and by not straining, I crossed the flood and the deva doesn't quite get it and so he says but how is it then that you were able to cross the flood by not halting and by not straining and the buddha says when i came to a standstill then i sank but when i struggled then i got swept away it is in this way that by not halting and by not straining that i crossed the flood so it's a little at first, it sounds a little different, but it's a similar idea, is that there's a way to get in line with what's going on. And if you're trying to cross a river, um, if you just sit there, you're gonna sink. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, you're not gonna make it across. But on the other hand, if you get in there and you start thrashing around and you're fighting it and you're trying to go and the current doesn't want you to go, and um, then you just get, uh, you just get overrun. Rivers are strong. But there is a way to do it very carefully, such that you're moving along with the water, uh, not stopping, not fighting against the movement of the water, but also not um, trying to make, trying to control the movement of the water. And that way you can actually get across the river uh, without getting swept away or sinking. So I think there's a relationship here in finding an attunement to situations Um, and so there's a pointing toward our speech and actions becoming like that and this could be maybe the beginning of an idea of how you might frame a sense of speaking and acting through this year if you're still in the mode of thinking about intentions and so forth going forth you know what does this evoke for you um, in terms of way a way to live so now um, i'd like us to do our our little small group since it's related to speech right so um, as i said earlier we're just going to have one a little breakout group session and it's it'll be now and um, it's a, a particular kind of practice that i want you to try And so it's not gonna be at the beginning, at least when you're doing the exercise, it's not really like a normal conversation. It's not normal speech, but I know all of you are practitioners um, who've been doing this for a while. So I I think it'll be okay. Um, This is an exercise called mindfulness out loud. And one person speaks and the other listens, and then you switch and the other person speaks and the first one listens. So you're both practicing, actually, the speaker and the listener. And what the speaker is doing in mindfulness out loud is that you speak what you are aware of in that moment. And it's it's like personal, your own experience. So it might sound something like, now I'm aware of heat in my chest. Now I'm aware of tingling in my hands. Now I'm aware of awkwardness. Now I'm aware of uh, seeing your face, you know, these kinds of things. Um, uh, And the other person, it's meditative. Um, So you can include your body. You can include your mind. You can include, you know, now I'm aware of not knowing what to say, (laughs) something like that. And and just you just flow along and don't worry about it. If one of them is a little weird, no problem. The next one will be something else. And you'll do it for about a minute and a half. So it's long enough that you'll feel it, but it's not excruciating, I hope. I'll send a message about when to switch. And the person who's listening um, is going to practice this just kind of receptive listening. And the practice for the person listening is that you don't want to be kind of feeding the other person. You want their mindfulness to be more internal. So, you know, smiling, winking, commenting, just, just sit there. I mean, you don't have to look like a total stone face, but just sit quietly with a nice receptive face and um, uh, just allow yourself to, to listen to the other person. Probably the only other instruction you need is that it's very helpful to ground in the body, um, to think of, you know, be aware of your feet on the floor, your butt on the chair. That can really help um, if you're having trouble thinking of what you're mindful of. But this will be a little test to sort of see, can you be with another person speaking um, and have internal awareness and be able to articulate that? You're never going to have a normal conversation like this, um, probably. This is an exercise, but just try it. Mindfulness out loud is very interesting to try. You're going to be in pairs, by the way, unless I end up with a group of three. Let's see what have we got. There's going to have to be a group of three. Okay that's all right. Um, In the group of three, you'll just have three chances to go around and each person will uh, speak. In the groups of two, since you'll have a little extra time, you can talk normally after you've each done the exercise. I'll send a timer thing about that too. So you will have a chance. So please participate in the exercise, knowing that at the end, you'll be able to speak more naturally. Um, Are there any questions about that? Does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to make the rooms. Hang on for a second. So I'm glad that was a fruitful exercise. And um, let's go ahead now, and we're going to do another uh, period of meditation. And um, we'll do some sitting and then uh, some walking. I want us to settle in a little bit over the next period of time in order to receive the second and third chariot teachings. So this sitting will be uh, more of a development of some samadhi, some settledness. So again, just allowing yourself to settle in. It's gonna be about maybe 35 minutes or so. Just closing the eyes. Maybe again, taking a deep breath and on the out breath, softening into the posture of being upright and also relaxed, present. going quickly through the body with a sense of touching different places and inviting ease, so softening the eyes, jaw, shoulders, chest, belly, hips and legs, arms and hands and returning to a a sense of the body overall sitting. Perhaps tuning in now to the sensations of the breath. Sometimes we treat the breath as something abstract, coming in, going out, an idea of the lungs inflating and then deflating. But actually the breath has many, many different sensations. So we're invited to tune into the whole flow, the touch of the air on the nostrils or the upper lip, sense of Coolness in the nasal passages. A feeling of expansion in the throat or the chest or even the belly. Perhaps a little shift of clothing against the skin. An increase in tension on the in breath. And then at some point that stops, and the out-breath begins, sense of relaxation, a different kind of movement. Maybe it's warmer in the nasal, nasal passages this time. So just allowing the flow of the many different sensations of each breath to be uh, as spontaneous as the sounds. We don't know exactly what the next breath will feel like. And it's useful Just sit with this spontaneous process receptively. If the mind gets caught up in a story, that's fine. Once we've noticed that, we just allow the sensations of the breath to come back into the fore. Softly reopening to those natural and spontaneous sensations. Perhaps on each outbreath, inviting some settling in, some softening in the body and mind. And if, as the mind is starting to settle down a bit, body is starting to settle down a bit, if you feel any sense of ease or some kind of subtle joy or happiness, it's fine to tune into that. Spread it throughout the body, even if there's only a little bit of it. Sometimes it can be helpful to bring in an image during breath meditation. Perhaps imagining the breath spreading throughout the whole body. Beyond where the physical breath literally goes. feeling it more like energy coming in, going out, gently massaging all the body. not so much that we're up in the control tower of the head watching all of this, but as if there's a a kind of intelligence throughout the body, an awareness right there where the attention is. Like a, f- a direct feeling rather than a watching. I'm just feeling the ease, simplicity of that. We may even imagine that the whole body is breathing. Perhaps directly through the skin, or if you prefer just The flow of energy all the way through the body. Mm -hmm. Nourishing, tranquilizing softening, You can even use the breath to massage the mind. So if there are thoughts or emotions, you can imagine breathing through those. when the breath passes through a thought or an emotion, there's a way in which it reduces the intensity of that. There's no need to change anything. Just let the breath massage the mental activity as well as the physical activity. When we sense the breath as a form of energy in the body and mind, then we can also gently attune to the energy level. The mind is feeling a little sleepy. We can use the energy to uplift a bit. Or if there's agitation, then allowing the breath to calm that. This can be done in a very simple, gentle way. While we mostly rest in the receptivity. The breath can be used to unify body and the mind, gathering the different parts of our being toward a common alignment. To whatever degree there's a sense of unification or harmonization of your mind and body, just resting in that for the last few minutes of the meditation. The sense of being gathered. So now we'll have a period of walking, meditation, also just a chance to move the body. We've been sitting for a little while. And the uh, instruction is to kind of turn around the idea of walking. Usually we think that we're gonna go walk or we're going to be mindful of the body, something like that. Um, consider that your body is taking you for a walk Um, you know whatever ease that you felt during the meditation the naturalness of the breath flowing now make it just the naturalness of walking in the way that your body wants to walk see what that feels like if it's possible you could go outside I don't know what the weather's like where everyone is and why don't we be back at uh, 45 after the hour? So that's about 20 minutes from now. So, yeah, so taking this period to let your body take you for a walk, and we'll see you back then. Thanks. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.